Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes! What is up, everybody? And welcome to Mixed Discaroon's favorite podcast in soccer we trust. I'm Jimmy Trashcan, Crew Cheese Conradinho, alongside only... Hollywood Heath Pierce because Charlie Chuck Wagon Davies is too scared to answer your questions. So make sure that uh, when you are done with this episode, you go to Twitter and or Instagram and give him a hard time because that is unacceptable. But yes, for everybody joining in, we're doing a special mailbag episode for you. We went on the Twitters and asked you to give us some questions and you gave us a lot of questions. So we have to provide a lot of answers. So Heath, I don't know where do you want to start, person? I mean, I would love it, Jimmy. I would love it if you just asked me how I'm doing. You know, let's start with that. Okay. Well, how are you? How are you doing? Because that might be the most what? positive question and answer we might get on this. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly. Because I'm worried. I'm 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 worried in the direction we're heading right now. So I'd at least maybe we check in, uh, see how we're doing now, and then we'll see how we're doing towards the end of the episode when we yeah, got a little go temperature check. A little temperature yeah. check. I'm, this one could be I'm emotional. Doing, I, I am doing uh, very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. I'm excited to get to the finish line of the World Cup here in Qatar. I've been here for over 30 days. And when you have days off, it's almost in some ways worse because you just you're itching for the next game. So you can kind of just uh, not say be done with it. We, we have a tremendous final on hand. So, yeah. well, by the time everybody listens to this, it'll probably be, I'll be home. So just know be that I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be home and I'll be cozying up on the couch doing nothing. So that's, so, uh, I, I guess I probably should get ahead of that. On on that note, then we should probably do a good job of holding each other accountable in these uh, in these mailbag episodes to make it as evergreen as possible, so it's not tied to a period that may no longer be uh, worthwhile. That's true. You know? So that's true. Uh, having said that, there's some questions in here, and a lot can change in the world in the next few days. So uh, if we're true. off on any of those, uh, we apologize. Um, I would be surprised yeah. though if U.S. Soccer came out with a decision that you don't think they'll fire Greg Berhalter on the eve of Christmas. I don't think that they will. However, (laughs) I do think that there is some urgency in some capacity if they were going to make a move to have somebody not Greg Berhalter at the January camp, which is still on from what I understand. Mm -hmm. So, and you could have an interim, of course. You can have somebody come in there or, uh, you know, the problem was when they do, when you do an interim and you, and you get a couple of results, you go, ah, we're not in a rush. You know, we saw that last time we did what, how long was that interim? Um, It was close to a year, right? Because we waited for, for Greg to get there when it was right. clear that's who it was going to be. And Dave Sarikin actually got some good results when he was in charge. Good old Dave. So, so well, speaking of the coaching stuff, there's a lot of questions that are kind of tied together. So we're going to try to say lump them all together, but we're going to do, I think we'll answer a lot of the stuff or a lot yeah. of the questions with maybe one of our discussions about it. So I'll just start with Platt, Platt US MNT fan on Twitter. Thank you for your support. And thanks for the question. What coaching replacements, 
and this is already getting ahead of it. <laughs> Platt's already looking forward and not looking in the past. What coaching replacements do you think are reasonable and upgrades on the three, G three Gs of Greg Berhalter, Heath? Uh, and there's some options you, out there, by the way. Yeah. I mean, it's really tough to say because I, like any USMNT fan, are am dreaming big, right? I dream of the 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 Carlo Ancelotti's, the the Jose Zidans. Mourinho's, the Zidans, the you know, I I I I'm not so much a, a Jose Mourinho fan for the national team. I think he'll take over Portugal from what I'm understanding anyway. There's that potential on the line, and that could be a good sort of stopping place for for his career. Um, but wait, 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 wait. He's trying to do both. He wants to coach Roma and Portugal at the same time. Yeah, of course time, he does. Is, that guy, he's well, one of the few people in the world that wants to have his cake and eat it too all the time. You know, not just well, on Sundays, not just like after on a nice brunch. He wants to have seven days a week cake and, and, and eat it too, you know? Well, what's interesting, what's interesting is that when I heard that Peter Vermes got, and he's the sporting Kansas City coach in MLS, and a longtime coach, and obviously played for the men's national team and played in the 90 World Cup. And, and, and I heard that he would be interested in the job if he could have coached the U.S. and Sporting KC at the same time, which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's, But I heard they talked to him about it. That's what he wanted to do. And they're like, that's ridiculous. No chance. Honestly, I think it's and, – and I think Jesse Marsh said it, said it well, like in his lack of interest in the national team. It's a completely different sport, right, the national team, in mm -hmm. terms of you're spending 99% of your time – managing a network of scouts of players your youth teams you're much more involved in sort of the holistic view whereas at the club level you're only as good as your next result right and you're mm -hmm. yes you have an off season and you can build and you hope to have enough time to accomplish your goals but at the national team level there's so much that you don't control you don't control the the daily environments of the players you can control your communication and 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 the knowledge you can seek but it's a lot of management of relationships and people and not just the players but the people at the clubs that that feedback your scouting network your youth teams your pipeline of players it's 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 very i think very very different in terms of that and so so okay well using that as a as a barometer then yeah if that's a lot of the job i think a lot of people are okay with greg in that that space given that he got a lot of key dual nationals Yunus musa Sergio dest to name yeah. a few and and it seems like he created good vibes right the culture is pretty good it seems like there's a nice strong vibrant group there that care for each other and so I'll, I'll, he takes a couple of those boxes it seems right yeah i guess the question then is is this is it time to just hand it off to somebody else i, I think everybody knows where we stand that or at least i can speak for myself i can't speak for you i i, I always do that and then charlie's like don't put words in my mouth you know, that's my Charlie voice. <laughs> but but you know, I don't think any, Charlie no matter, movies. no matter how good the coach has done, unless it's like winning the world cup, I don't think that, yeah. or having a, 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 like an overachieving run, let's say at the world cup, then, then I don't think you should bring back that particular person. Now, I mean, there's this uh, coach from Morocco, Walid Regragui, who took over the job three months before the world cup started, like 107 yeah. days before the world cup started is when he took over and their only loss during that whole time was to France in a game that they actually played pretty well, despite not having yeah. like four or five key players fully fit. And, and I would love to have that guy, but that's a guy that, okay. Oh, I France would give had him four or five players, not this true, despite, true, true, like not true. fully fit either, but that's true. 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 Appreciate you bringing that up. But I would say that like that Regwagui guy, I would give him another world cup cycle because he was so fresh into this one. And clearly that success can be built upon. Yeah. But Greg seems like a little bit different and I feel like he's done what he's going to do. And I, I, when I think about the ceiling of, of what else can Greg do now with this current group that he already hasn't done, are, can they take bigger steps moving forward? And I don't think I so. Think, 
I don't think so either. I think we've hit a ceiling I, I, with what Greg can provide. And I wonder if he knows that too, because he's never going to have a better opportunity to make a jump somewhere than he does right now. And yeah. so if he wants to get back over and coach in Europe or whatever he wants to do, this is the time to do it. It won't be in two years or a year and a half if he gets fired, right? That's yeah. nobody's going to, his stock will be way down. It's interesting yeah. times for, for both U.S. soccer and for Greg looking at this kind of, as you say, in a bigger bigger picture but go ahead yeah, anyway I, there, there are some options out there yeah so uh, yeah i i think we we can get deeper into options with but what i don't want to do is go into like la la land and think about things that yeah, aren't sure. going to be realistic you know but i think you telling me zidane the, doesn't the, want to coach us yeah. <laughs> I, I actually think that's not a bad one if you're in zidane and you've you've done it all already at his young age and you've accomplished it all he's that taking over be, france come on yeah he's taking over france but somebody like zidane right that is doesn't have necessarily something left to prove on the club level is known for being a people manager because we need that, but also brings a system, also brings the respect of having played the game at a high level. Now, be before I say anything beyond uh, for, for Greg Berhalter, I do think we need to change. I think Greg Berhalter was successful in this World Cup. I think he was successful in the way that Bob Bradley was successful. He was successful in the way that not quite Bruce Arena in 2002, but, but, um, but uh, Jurgen Klinsmann was in 2014, right? They accomplished the goal of getting out of the group stages, and then we took, a, we took a beating. There was a lot of tactical issues throughout, but every single World Cup that we've played in, this was the highest expectation we had of the players, right? If we, if we got by any means, we could have played as ugly as ever. And if, if you remember 2002 even, we were scrapping, you know? It wasn't like oh, we, were yeah, we were dominating games. No, we were. Like, we were, we were more like a... I'm trying to think of what the team is without disrespecting that team in this World Cup, where we were willing to like take a bad turnover and punch somebody in the face pre Gagan press, you know, just bad turnover, go down to the inline, finish a ball, um, and then fight like hell for our lives. And so Didn't I think we, Greg's uh, been successful, also... but I don't think Greg can go any yeah. further because I think the players are ready for something different. I think it's time for him to hand the baton off because I do think he's moved the ball down the field, uh, for lack of a better way. And somebody else needs to take it further than that. I don't think the next coach comes in and we're starting at zero. And I think that another coach could have been in Greg's position and been further back than where we are now, right? In terms of recruitment, mm -hmm. uh, the way the team's playing, mm -hmm. some of the flashes that we saw, I think there's still a little bit of a rigidity and a lack of freedom to, to really like sort of getting the most out of, uh, you know, it's like driving a, a nice uh, German sports car on the U.S. freeways where, you know, that thing can go 140 and be in full control, but it's going 70 right now at the speed limit, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. we, mm -hmm. we, and take the governors off of the go-karts and, and allow them to play a little more open. Um, uh, for those of you that grew up with anybody in your neighborhood who had a go-kart and they used to talk about these governors where it's like, man, I could get this thing up to 35 if I take this thing off. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think, I don't think it's a replace great because it's a failure. I think you, it, it is a, he fell short of, I think the, the lofty goals, the, the let's call it the flex goal, but he reached the mm -hmm. first goal, which is get out of the group stage. And I don't think, that is a place where you can say, let's do another three years of this and hope that it, it, it goes beyond that. I think it's a success. And now we hand that off to the next person. Okay. So when we think about replacements, then just to kind of put a bow on that part of the conversation, yeah. there are some names out there. You have basically managers. If we're looking at only international based guys that have that experience, because you can sense that the club guys like to stay in the club scene with regard to Jesse Marsh, I had a conversation with him when I went to Leeds, just kind of joking about him taking over. And he's just not ready for the European adventure to end and, and this club adventure that he's on. And he just yeah. didn't even want to think about it. Now, in two years' time, if he doesn't have a job for whatever reason, and this is available, I could see him taking it. But 
I don't know if that's going to be the case. This is a really big decision by U.S. Soccer, so I, I yeah. hope that they take their Huge. time, even if we have to bring an interim coach for January or whatever they decide. Or even you could you could still let Greg have that January camp and then just say, hey, this is this is going to be the last one or whatever, right? There's there's plenty of ways to work through this with good communication, and and good communication ultimately is the, the good way to solve a lot of things. But um, you have Roberto Martinez from Belgium, who who. I think really underperformed this World Cup. I don't think totally. he managed his group well as all group well at all. But he has gotten Belgium into a World Cup semifinal before, as you mentioned before in a previous podcast. That would probably bring Thierry Henry along with him. I'm okay with that. That guy knows some things. As long as not the head coach, he hasn't really like killed it as a head coach. But I think he'd be really valuable, especially as we try to. Uh, develop a number nine that was always my big thrill for having Jurgen Klinsmann involved it's like all right we got a proper number nine he's gonna make our strikers like world beaters and uh he didn't coach at all so that's uh, that's a different conversation but I would say that you know you have those options I'm seeing that Oscar Pereja's name who won Orlando City the the Open Cup this past year got him into the playoffs I think he does a good job of getting the most out of his particular group of players I think that's important that's an important quality that we should be looking for in a coach I actually, there's one coach. But, but Jimmy, before you move, go beyond that real quick, on, on Oscar Pereja, he's still a guy that, having known him from the FC Dallas days, having known how passionate he is about the youth and the next generation player, I would still love to see him as like our youth technical U20. director or yeah, right. even our, even our yeah, sort of maybe the most senior of our youth national team's head coach, but overseeing sort of development and, and, and pathways because he's another one that I think does a really great job of recruitment. Um, mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. culturally he understands the, 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 right. the, the multiple, um, almost identities that exist in terms of playing player types in the United States. That is very unique, right? If you looked at Morocco, they all play a very certain way outside of like, uh, um, Amrabat, like they're, and even he's technical, but you know, he's a little bit more of your traditional six, but everybody on that team can first touch dribble explosive. They, you could, you could swap one player with another. They have a real identity to their, to their group. The U.S., I think, is always going to struggle with identity. Um, but we're can, I think we, we got closer in this World Cup in terms of, like, are we a team that's possession-based? Do we have the skill sets? Do we have technical ability? Do we have pace on the wings? We have all those things is what I think we've learned from this World Cup. We've just now got to turn that into a almost cultural identity that that plays well. Sorry, that yeah. was a, that meant no, to no, just no, talk no, about I like Pareja, that. but I got distracted. No, no, no. I, I'm glad you brought that in. I think that Pareja does have some unique gifts that would make him valuable in a lot of different ways to our national team program. So I'm glad that you filled that gap for me. They have Juan Carlos Tesorio, who led Mexico to the World Cup in 2018. He's obviously coached in MLS as well. You see the Pochettinos. I think he's going to take a club job. You have, you know, you have the Marinos, the Zidans. This just don't feel real. But there's one coach that I – Casper Juland, who is the head coach of Denmark. And, and I don't know if he's going to resign or whatever. They obviously had a terrible World Cup, but they were amazing in qualifying. They were amazing in the Euros the summer before. And I thought that he got a lot out of that particular group of players. And I wish that would have been demonstrated in this World Cup as well. But somebody like that, how can you get the most out of your group and not try to force them to be anything that they're not, but still allow them to raise their game in a certain way that, to your point, has an identity because we saw it emerge with the Morocco under Regragui, the coach. They were very uh, defensive, of course, but they still had something going forward, right? They were always you. You, you felt like they yeah. were dangerous. 
You know what I will say time. from that, Jimmy, and, and I was I went I was live at, at their semifinal game um, against France. And while it wasn't the greatest of games generally, there is no doubt that if you removed Morocco's history in World Cups and whatever, and you put any other like his, historical giant on uh, crest on them, they would look like they belonged in a semifinal of a World Cup. They mm -hmm. looked like they matched up. You know, sometimes you feel a little bit of that nerve from teams. Like when Poland played against France, you could see that it was like outmatched. U.S. against Netherlands, right. after right. a few moments, they looked, they just feel a little bit of that like arriving late, a little bit of that almost tension and nerves. Like at no point did right. Morocco feel like they couldn't beat France. And they looked, they looked the part, right? France gave them a few opportunities. They could have gone down and scored those throughout the game, right? And, right. Right. And I think that identity, that belief, and maybe, maybe it is just circumstantial and, and the wave that they're riding. But usually when that wave comes to an end, they look outmatched. You know, at some point they go, okay, the run is over because they, they finally came down to earth and their real ability showed through, not this super ability. But they had this identity that didn't waver and at no point looked like, oh, this is a team that just got lucky, you know? And I think yeah, we need no, that's that. Good. That's a good point. No, I agree. And I think that's what we're all thirsting for in some capacity. It's, yeah. it's, it just felt, I guess it just feels a little easier to accept a loss in any competition. If you felt like we were the best team or we were putting our, still putting our best foot forward, we were still trying to do things and stay true to who we are and what we're about. And you could see that, that incremental progress that you want to see, which is what we, I think we're collectively scared about us, our producers, all the fans yeah. after the Japan and Saudi Arabia game, because it looked like we took steps back. So I think yeah. that the group stages in some ways were a pleasant surprise. We had a, a nice mix of players. Uh, the buy-in was clearly there. And, and that makes such a big difference. And then once that belief, once you get that one result, even though we gave up a goal late to Wales, like there was still, hey, we got this. We never looked like we were out of sorts. And then when we got against the Netherlands team that just were a little more tactically astute and a little bit more clinical in, in their op options and opportunities, that that's, that's, that that's the fine margins that we talk about. Luis Enrique is an interesting one from Spain. You know, obviously plenty of experience developing young players, being around young players, He's Pedrini. another yeah. one, though, that, like you're talking about, I mean, from a personality standpoint, I think they would eat him up in the U.S. They would love him, right? Because he's open, he's yeah, honest, yeah. he says all kinds of crazy things, and people like that. But another guy, just like Roberto Martinez, that ha hasn't as recently lived up to the expectations, right? Still yeah. attractive. Yeah. And I feel like if we're going to crush Greg for what he his where he got and then – Hold Luis Enrique, yeah, but he was great. He was a better player, or he, had, you know, he had way more tools to deal with. You know, this is a mm -hmm, super mm -hmm. team of of young players. Um, same with Roberto Martinez, with all that experience. Like, it, it is a game of moments, and it comes down to that. But at a certain point, we've got to like level that out. I'm excited about both of those guys, and I do think they could take totally, 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 but, totally, totally. But they're also coming off of World Cups where you know they they with the tools that they had even more than the U.S. underperformed. Okay, so. Let's talk. This is kind of in the in the Greg vein, and we'll we'll just kind of keep going on the Greg stuff until our first break. But this one is from Mauricio Guti. What's up, Mauricio? Is a manager informing a player before a tournament that he won't play much? Leadership with transparency or more so demotivating for the player? And when I first read this, I thought it depends on the player, was my first answer. Like the first thing I thought of was it just depends on the player. Uh, and I think that is where the leadership comes in. You have to know the type of player you're dealing with. 
And obviously the big mistake, and we've already talked about this a little bit, Heath, in previous podcasts, is that Greg made a mistake by bringing that up. If you are talking about having a team where you explicitly tell the group that any trouble or any issues or any tension inside the team stays with the team, then you can't bring it up no matter what. I don't care if it's a private leadership conference or whatever. You just can't bring it up. That has to, you have to stay true to that. And so there's other questions about, you know, does Greg lose the group after this? And, and I think this will blow over ultimately if Greg ends up staying. And I think that they'll probably have to have some conversations, the whole group and Gio included. Mm-hmm. But I think it just depends on the player. And because and yeah. if, if Greg told us this, and I, I had a conversation with DeMarcus Beasley, okay? And Bob Bradley told DeMarcus before the 2010 World Cup that he wasn't going to play. And, and, and DeMarcus was like, all right, you know, and wasn't happy about it. But it's not isolated to Greg. We've also had another manager in Bob Bradley. And if DeMarcus, I mean, he's not bullshitting us. He's telling, he's telling what happened. And, that's, and he didn't play. He played like 20 minutes in the Algeria game right, right at the end, and that was it. He really didn't play all that much. This is DeMarcus Beasley, considered one of our best to ever do it and should be considered one of our best. And that happened to him from Bob. And so now I don't think Bob went around and told people about it afterwards. And maybe that this is where Greg's shortcoming is. And he's going to have to learn pretty harshly about this mistake. But what are your thoughts on, on this as well? Yeah, I think, I think that DeMarcus is, is a great example because we both, it, it, it's a great example for you and I. I think it's a hard one to contextualize for people, the personality of Bob, right? I don't think Bob, there was a lot of things about DeMarcus Beasley that Bob didn't like, right? He didn't like his lifestyle. He didn't like, uh, the, uh, the untapped potential of DeMarcus Beasley in Bob's mind of thinking, if I could just get him to be the professional that I want him to be, you know, and program his mind a certain way, I can get more out of him. And I think as we got to that World Cup, right, at, at left midfield, you had options. And at left back, you had Bornstein yeah, and you had he, Carlos He wasn't Bocanegra. really being considered, though, at left back at that point. No, not at that point. It was after that. that, that um, uh, What's crazy to me is that Bees played more World Cup games in 2014 when he's older playing defense <laughs> than yeah. in 2010, which is probably closer to his peak. Anyway. It's crazy. And so, so what the point I'm trying to get at is like, it feels oddly personal, right? And I don't mean it personal in like a vengeance type of way, but Bob felt that he knew DeMarcus Beasley and he needed to deliver this message to DeMarcus. Now, it's hard for me to believe at times that a coach comes up and goes, hey, just a heads up. You're not going to play, you know? <laughs> it's usually a conversation like, I don't have you in my lineup, but I need you ready. You know, like I, 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 when the circumstances are right, I need you. And so I feel like that's where the message is a little bit bastardized in the media right now about this whole idea that like somebody pulls him aside and goes, listen, you're not going to play. Because that's not, that's not, I don't think any coach tells somebody that. It's more of like, I don't see you in my team, right? I've kind of got my team set. You're still a hugely important member. You're valuable as a leader. You're valuable for this. But like my team is taking shape and, and, and I don't see you see you in that, right? It's not so much like a, because then the whole idea of like, why would you even bring anybody to a World Cup if you're not going to play them? Because I, So I don't think it's that extreme. And I think sometimes we look at it in this extreme way that somebody's just saying, like, you're out of the team for the World Cup. And that's just not, there's 40 other players you could, you could bring in if you had zero plans, right? It's more of like, listen, I got my group and the way things are shaping up, you're not part of that group. My very first um, camp with Bruce Arena, he straight up said that to me. He said, I'm going to try to get you time because um, you're young, but 
you're, you're not the guy right now, you know? Like, I'm, you're, you're not the guy I'm going to to play. And I ended up getting four caps in a row under him and then getting the one just before the 2010 World Cup. And they were, I was taking scrap minutes, you know, I was, and I was eating it up. I started two, came off the bench in two, actually three of my first um, caps. And the ones that I started, he, he was very clearly not impressed. And I was sort of building there, right? But he was at least open and honest to me. And it hurt. And I took it like, a, hey, your career is done. You should just, um, because it's hard, right? But, but like, I think that's, I think, I, I guess to go back to the question, I think that's really good leadership if done the right way. Now, once that gets out, then it's all open to all of us to interpret like how that conversation happened, right? And we know G Gio's a fiery guy and we know that he wants to play and we know that he wants to contribute. He wants to do all these things. But um, I, I, I think it's all in not what, what you say and how you say it as cliche as that sounds and, and really, really important because there's a lot of coaches that had they talked to me in a different way, I would have been fine. But we're all human after all. We do the best that we can to communicate. But the coaches I respected the most were the ones that knew just nuance, right? They knew you mm -hmm. as a person. They knew how am I going to deliver this efficiency? How do I have to show empathy or care or whatever it is that's going on? And I think that that is what separates our group now and the level of even on the manager conversation, who can actually do that consistently and take us to the next level. And also on, you know, kind of the players being able to respond to that as well. Another long game. No, I love that. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's great insight. It's I great mean, insight. Are right, we going to take our, about you? No, oh, well, yeah, we're gonna go to break? Yeah. I was going to go to break, but okay. Let me just, I, I would say yes. One of my, one of my things that I loved about Bruce was how he communicated and, and not only in terms of like, say you started a game under Bruce, he gave you three things that he wanted you to be good at that game, that none of it was result driven, right? I need you to do these three things for the team. If you do these three things for the team and everybody else does their three things, we're probably going to come out with a result, right? Yeah. The results, a byproduct of how everybody executes and performs. Right. And so I love that. And then I come into Bob who, who, who I admired, I, I admired Bob. I still do. I, I think that he has had a tremendous career despite our beefs. And, and there was something about him that was very uh, purposeful in terms of his tactics and in the way that he wanted to manage. Now that said, I had a bubbly personality and I never felt like that's exactly what he wanted. I think he wanted me or all of us to be like him eating, drinking and sleeping the game 24 seven. And when we weren't at practice, we were watching it on TV and if we weren't watching it on TV. We were talking about it and, and that's just not for everybody. Some of us need some balance, especially if we're have wife and kids and other things going on in our lives. So, so I thought that, had Bob handled a couple of situations, and I had told him this when we were having our discussions, that if he just would give me this and listen to me here, I will lay on railroad tracks for this guy. But when he didn't and fought back, it just, it just started our, our relationship because I didn't feel like I was listened to. And at that point, I didn't feel like I was valued or cared about. I was just basically cattle at that point. Now, he'll, he could come on here and fight me and you know, verbally fight me, and, and uh, we could talk about a whole host of things. But But – that's how it came across. That's how I received it. And that's on me a little yeah. bit, right? You talk to sports psychologists, nobody can control the way you feel. Only you can control yeah. the way that you feel, right? Yeah. So there's a lot to, to dig into there. And that, that took me a long time to, to separate that, what I'm hearing and how I'm receiving it and what I'm going to do there. And, and that's probably its own podcast. But yeah, I, I think communication is super key. And I think that where Greg, his first mistake was obviously saying this out loud. The second one, uh, post post World Cup, and I feel like, and I mentioned this before, he wanted to get that off his chest. He was taking so much heat for the Giorena stuff. He wanted people to know that he wasn't alone, and this is why he did it. I get where it came from from him. He should he just shouldn't have done it. But then also, 
it feels like with how he handled Geo. I mean, I mean, Geo's got to take responsibility for it too. It's not all on Greg, obviously, but but I don't know. I mean, if you can only kid glove a guy so long, and if he's going to continue to have a bad attitude, I don't know what you're going to do about it. Anyway, we're going to take our first and only break of this in soccer we trust. And when we come back, well, I can answer more of your questions. So don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Cream Cheese, Trash Can, Conrad Dino, also known as Jim Conrad, with Hollywood Heath Pierce. And we are answering your questions from the mailbag. Unfortunately, Charlie Davies is afraid of your questions and has refused to be here on today's show. Uh, all right, let's kind of get away from the Greg stuff a little bit and talk. Uh, and actually, this is a question directly for you because you were on this team. This is from Diego on Twitter, who says, was the 2022 team, this World Cup team, more talented than the 2009 Confederations Cup team. I already know what Charlie's going to say, but I actually want to hear from you, Heath, on why or why not. I mean, here's where I'm starting to see the difference, right? Now, do I think that that Confederations Cup, had we won that, it's the greatest achievement in the history of U.S. soccer? Absolutely. Do I think getting to a final is a massive thing? But let's not forget, we lost the opener, and by no means were we supposed to win these. Right. Lost the opener to Italy. Comfortably lost. Lost the second one to Brazil. Comfortably lost. Went into the third game. And again, I tell this story all the time. We were all planning our flights. Where were we going? There was a, two or three of us, Charlie and myself, and, and I, I can't remember one other, going to play the Gold Cup after. We were all on our way out. And then all of a sudden, circumstances, we win 3-0. Brazil beats Italy 3-0. Now we're in a right. semifinal. The semifinal game. We punched them in the face a couple times. And then we fought... Was that death. something that Bob – did Bob say something in that one, or is it just like the team was ready to go? Like you were feeling you were playing with house money, and – It was a little bit of house money. Nobody expected you to get any type like, of result against Spain, and you went out there and did it. I mean, this is a team that even, was in between winning the Euros and the World Cup. Yeah. this Yeah, this was a team who was on, uh, at that point, a record-breaking unbeaten run. They had won the Euros, and they were about to win the World Cup. Right. Like we were, we were stuck somewhere sandwiched in the middle of like literally one of the greatest teams in history. And we smacked them a couple times, but we fought like hell. And that's the American national team, USA, all the way. Like th that is the DNA of our team. Talent wise, we had a lot of good players as well. This was, again, the breakout period of, of, of Charlie Davies. Um, but when I look at this team now and I see them go into a World Cup, yes, qualifying mimicked every qualifying team I've ever seen. Maybe you feel differently, Jimmy. I, I want your answer on this too. Uh, 
mimic the struggles of every qualifying nation. There's always that sort of tension point of like, are we going to qualify or are we not? We have to get these points. Air, look, go throughout history for the U.S. men's national team. But this World Cup team actually showed me the way that at the age that they are and the way that they matched up against these teams outside of the Netherlands. And again, I know you can say, well, all that matters is the Netherlands, right? Because that's the game of consequence the most. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That they are insanely talented. If you look at the, the clubs the players are playing at now, insanely talented. Now, the only argument that I would have is that you're talking about a national team in 2009-10 of a team at their prime, prime age, peak of their careers. So maybe there's a little bit more polish to them, a little bit more experience at the international level than this group had. Maybe they could have handled the Netherlands a little bit smarter or more, more, more in a more clever way or more composed way um, had they played the Netherlands with the 2009 team. But overall, like where this team is going, I don't think anybody's going to touch them. Like, and results will show that. Talent-wise, I think yeah, sure, we're, sure. We're, we're, they're already there, you know. Um, but how they accomplish as a national team, uh, I, I think this team is going to surpass in any group in history. I, I wasn't part of the 2019. Talent. Yeah, so I can't really speak to – obviously watched it. But oh, you were at the Gold Cup, right? So, like – I was at the Gold Cup, yes. Yeah, so you're still in the <laughs> national team in that period. You just weren't at yeah, the – Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I got my, my callback to the Gold Cup after being – in the dark for 18 months. So that was a pleasant surprise to be honest and got to be a captain a couple times. And uh, then I got my big concussion and <laughs> that sucked, which could have maybe uh, really slowed me down from getting back onto that world cup team in yeah. 2010, but I'm not bitter or sad, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I would say that with the sports psychologist, you, I do. Jimmy, I, yeah, yeah. I'll come to Doha for a month, but you got to bring my friend. They're like, is it your real friend, Jimmy? Or is it the my person that you friend. talk to in the mirror? Every night, <laughs> I got an invisible like the, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and yeah, doggone it, people God, like me. People like me. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a little bit of that going on in my life, I think, throughout the years. Yeah. But I would say that, yeah, I mean, this team did exhibit a lot of the similar traits <clears throat> for our national teams throughout the years. It's tough to get mm -hmm. through qualifying. I think the only time we we kind of cruised through qualifying was ahead of the 2006 World Cup, where. We were pretty much in complete control, no real slip-ups, and then beat Mexico at home in Columbus to book our ticket with a couple games in hand, or one, I guess one game to spare where we didn't have much to worry about. But it was really never in doubt, just no matter whether we were going to finish first or not. But outside of that, you know, it looked similar. It, it, the, the group stages were not easy, and we found a way to survive. And we've done that out of, what, four out of the last – or three out of the last four World Cups that we've been in, and, and I think that speaks to, to that. But ultimately, to your point – in terms of talent, in terms of future, in terms of potential, this group is, I think, well ahead of, of previous yeah. groups. And, and it's all there, right? And now it's actually yeah. the, the crescendo of becoming the 2026 yeah. World Cup that we're hosting is insane. The, the, but, but, but I also want to point out, Jimmy, is that Spain failed. Belgium failed. Germany failed. Mm. Two World Cups in a row. Italy, not here. You know, like England failed quarterfinals out you know like these are all teams like mm -hmm, the, the, mm -hmm. the the sometimes there's this belief in in the in american sports mentality is you just keep going up and up is just mm -hmm, a thing mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. see vertically right and then you get to the top and you stay there and the national team is so much more nuanced than that of what that actually means of bringing it all together a golden generation has to last like you know 12 14 years uh, you know period wise where you actually have like the tools and then you add two three more one piece every year and a half that makes something better that I don't think it's going to be as like this group is just going to keep on going until we're number one. And then we never look back. Like 
there's a lot of pieces that go into that when you look at it that sometimes we look at our national team and you go oh, round of 16 they failed you know they 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 suck but if you look at the biggest national teams brazil failed like in terms of like number 1 in the world failed right like what their expectations are and what your ours are seem to be the exact same even though they're brazil and we're the us and i think that there's more nuance than that and and we sure, for sure for sure that you don't see sometimes the growth that's happening i guess what i'm saying no of course and I think it's there. I think it's pretty evident to most. I, I we have two more questions for this podcast. And guess what? We're going to have another mailbag special episode coming very soon. Because happy holidays, everybody. Get to enjoy us while you're sipping on some hot chocolate or whatever you like to do for the holidays, you crazy bastards. Okay, so. Put us on your TV. Question, I've seen people watch us on, on, on their TV, Jimmy. And it's pretty, pretty whoa, nice. Feels like that is pretty know? cool. I appreciate yeah. that. I probably should have brushed my teeth. Then. Smart I didn't realize TV. That. I thought we were just, <laughs> we just, they're just listening. All right. All right. So this one can be a quick answer. And then, then we'll have uh, another one we can maybe dive into a little bit. Mm-hmm. This one's from the Kings of CONCACAF podcast. Great name for a podcast. Appreciate you guys' support. Keep up the good work. Growing the game here. And we appreciate you. They say, who is one player that you weren't originally high on of this World Cup roster, but proved you wrong? Keith Pierce. That I wasn't that high on on this roster, but proved me wrong. I would probably say Serginho Dest. That's not um, a bad shout, actually. I was thinking that as well. I mean, he was, I was definitely I was going, in my top three. I'd probably say Timo Weah also. Uh, like, I wasn't I, – I liked Timo Weah, but there was always – This version of, this version of Timo Weah was excellent. He was good. Yeah, efficient. Doesn't waste a lot of time. Very, again, he was some of those things that we saw in qualifying where you're like, you, he made the game more predictable in the attack than anybody else. He's going he's gonna to drive down and, and whip a ball in or his combination play. But I would say Serginho Dest. One, because this guy spent a year at IX before getting the big move. And everybody saw the flash and the tech, technical abilities that he had. It's second to none. But then you go, well, what's the value of that if he doesn't have a final product or if he, if he can't, like, if you're going to be cheating into the attack, you got to be really good every game in the attack, right? You can't mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. luxury players as a fullback or even a wingback. And so mm-hmm. when I watched him in this world cup, his willingness to defend his um, ability to get into good spots and put in dangerous balls. Like he just has a level where if you watch him versus Anthony Robinson, who I think continues to get better, there's not a lot of like when Serginho desk gets down to the touchline, I'm like, he's going to find somebody on a pass. He's going to find the next pass. He's going to, he knows where the next play is going to be and he can do it at a very high level. And, and so for me, I was kind of worried about him, especially because we brought, you know, 14 right backs to this world cup that I felt like even Greg was worried about him. But from that first game on, I was like, this is the guy he's got to be on the field for, because I know he's going to play honestly defensively and offensively. He's one of our best players. So I, I know I probably should have known that already, but we've we've seen it high highs and low lows from him in the team, and he wasn't playing a lot at, at Milan coming into the World Cup. So yeah, how about yeah, you? I think prove me wrong sounds 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 pretty harsh. I don't know if we yeah didn't have some type of buy in on everybody on the roster, uh, but but I think more pleasantly surprised, and I think Sergio yeah. Des definitely falls into that, and he would be near my top of my list as well. I actually thought Aaron Long was was excellent. He made no mistakes in this past World Cup. That's my joke. Um, <laughs> so shout out oh, to Aaron zing Long. it. Uh, zing. Just throwing some zingers uh, out. You know, I would say that given how he performs against Japan, I was a little bit worried about Weston McKinney. And yeah. I thought that he was good. Obviously, him scoring against England would have been immense, you know, to take that lead when he had a great opportunity. But I just thought overall – 
He was influential. He seemed positive out there. I think the group responded to his energy. When he's got positive energy, he's another player that when he's playing with a smile on his face, he's just this really great, terrific version of himself. And, and it seemed like the whole team was in that space for the most part outside of Geo. But I would say that that I was pleasantly surprised with Wesson. Josh Sargent's another one that I was pleasantly surprised with. You know, came in and did the work and had some good holdup play. And sure, he didn't get on the end of anything, but I think we were missing him in that last game against Netherlands. So, so he would be there. Um, I yeah, think, think Sargent's a good played. surprise as well. Sargent's a, a really yeah, a, ple a pleasant style. surprise, right? A pleasant yeah. surprise. And so he would fall into that. And, and uh, Timo Way, I think, would probably be uh, my other one. So, all right, that's that. Oddly, uh, oddly Jimmy, on, right. uh, the last note, note on that is I feel like I went into this World Cup like locked and loaded to answer that question on guys that I thought Greg Berhalter would go to deeper in the roster. And he didn't go to him, you know? Like, right, it was a right. pretty consistent lineup for the first time since he started coaching, other than when, like, Sebastian Legette played every game for, like, two years under him. Like, there was just this consistency to the team that, like you said, I think harsh would be, like, it's a harsh way to, uh, the question is a little bit harsh compared to, like, pleasantly surprised or, or overachieved what my expectations were or what my worries were because there was players further down in the roster that I thought I was going to say, you know, oh, I'm worried if they get on the field. And I never actually got a chance to judge a number of players, you know. Okay, so on, in that vein, we'll leave this one as the last one and just know that we have another mailbag special coming, so don't worry. Mm -hmm. This one's from Coach Caruso who says, how many American transfers are we going to see because of their performance at the World Cup? And, and I think that right now, obviously, Tyler Adams – Mm -hmm. is hot and heavy being linked to Manchester United. I don't think that Leeds would let him go in January. I think they're going to no. at the very least make summer. him see out the year and, and mm -hmm. then potentially sell him in the summer, which would be pretty crazy for him to bounce one season after joining Leeds. Yeah. Not that that hasn't been done before, but that would be pretty remarkable. And I'd be really proud of him, obviously, to have that opportunity and, and to take another step up in his career. But I kind of want to see him finish the season as well. I feel like he's got – and I think he's mentioned it already publicly that he's got some unfinished business yeah. to do with Leeds, as he does. But um, I think another, you know, five, six months in the Premier I League – I think he will go in the summer. Help out a lot. I mean, it's also like I don't think Man United is like we need this guy today to, to finish out our season where we want, right? I mm -hmm. think he's a player for the future for them. Um, and, and so, yeah, I agree. I think he will move in the summer if the price is right. Yunus Musa is another guy. I think uh, um, is going to move. Only twenty million already... for Yunus Musa right now. Twenty million. Yeah, that's I'm guessing that there's some sort of that's there's some sort of tag on him. There's got to be um, that that like they're not going to go above. But like, yeah, he's he's another player. But he's still super young. You know, he's not like wildly influential yet. Um, but a team that's going to pay twenty can definitely see forty on him in the future. You know, uh, in mm -hmm, terms of mm -hmm, the business mm -hmm. side of things. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, Matt Turner, I think, uh, at some point deserves a, a move. It's going to be always hard to compare to the life and the wages that he has at, at Arsenal. But for his own ambition, there could be somebody that's coming in saying, hey. What about you know, uh, Jedi? Jedi? Jedi is another one linked to, to big clubs. What is it? Italian clubs uh, are into him. Yeah, um, I could see him making a move. I, I also like that Serginio Des might get his contract permanently. Um his loan move permanently yeah. made yeah. by Milan, which would be great. So, yeah, I don't no, know. Those, those that, are the ones. I, I think we're on the same page with that. Yeah, and then outside of that, I can't really. Team Away. Trying to think. Yeah, Team Away. I think is going to go, but 
the, the hard part is like he's probably the only one that hasn't been starting consistently for a long time, right. not for long right. time injuries and things like that. That like going back to his club situation, I think is going to dictate a lot of where that step goes in, in the summertime, or at least he can force his hand to say, hey, play me or sell me, um, which I think is a good situation for him to be in. But he's certainly one I think has is, um, opened some eyes as well. All right, those are the answers to your questions for now. Like I've been mentioning, we're going to have another one of these episodes coming for you very, very soon. So thank you for all these questions. Keep those coming because we like doing mailbag episodes and it seems like it generates uh, a lot of good conversation for us as well. And if you're listening to this on cbssports.com, we want to let you know that you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast by simply searching in Soccer We Trust on your podcast platform of choice. If you're watching on the YouTubes, keep hitting that like and subscribe button. And go follow us on the podcast if you'd like as well. We're available on all podcast platforms. And of course, we're going to deliver world-class soccer coverage during the World Cup and beyond because that's what we do. So thank you for your support. And we'll see you for the next episode. Later. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.